Welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am CD Danny Mac. This is episode 31. We are on the road to NXT TakeOver Houston, NXT TakeOver War Games, a huge event in less than two weeks. And episode 31 means a lot to me. Not only am I past a milestone that I thought I was going to be, but my friend here, born on December 31st, New Year's Eve baby, one of my best friends for over 20 years, Anonymous AP. Andrew Pons and AAP, not to be confused with APA. Andrew, nice to finally have you on here. Uh, it's a pleasure, man. It's been a long time. I've been looking forward to this moment, and I'm ready to talk about some good old wrestling. Now, I know NXT isn't known for the casual audience. You either love NXT or you don't, but Andrew has a very interesting middle ground. He attended NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 live in the audience, but also hasn't watched in a couple weeks. Andrew, you're in a very small market of the NXT audience. There's a lot of casual fans when it comes to the main roster, but nobody has a viewing schedule quite like you when it comes to (laughs) NXT. So it's really nice to have this, this sort of casual viewer perspective on this week's episode. This week's episode, a Major one, we have a collision with two of Ring of Honor's best of all time. Adam Cole collides with Roderick Strong. I consider this one the first battle on the road to war games. But we started things off in a, I know I like to say, huge way every single time to the start of NXT, but it doesn't get much bigger than over 600 pounds of heavy machinery. Otis Dozovic, Tucker Knight, off to show their tag team dominance on NXT television once again against Christopher Payne and the Shaolin Samoan Sean Maluda. Andrew, did you know we have a Staten Island representative in the NXT division right now? Well, this goes to show how it's been a while since I've watched, so no, and I'd like to find out more about this Staten Island representative. Represent the 306, baby. Here we go. Sean Maluda. Sean Maluda, the Shaolin Samoan, as I referred to him before. He was a competitor in the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament. He's been on NXT television here and there before. This, I believe is the first time I'm seeing him in tag team action, or at least in a long time. But Sean Maluda taking a beatdown by Heavy Machinery. It was really business as usual for these two big guys. They like to have fun, they like to eat their steaks, and they like to lift their weights. They like to lift their weights almost as much as they like to lift and slam down their opponents. Christopher Payne receiving a whole hell of a lot of his namesake in this one, and Sean Maluda just standing no chance. A little bit of new offense coming out of Heavy Machinery in this one as well. Otis Dozovic throwing it back to Scotty Tuhati with probably the biggest worm I have ever seen. I think we might as well call this one a caterpillar. (laughs) Otis Dozovic, very fun, very entertaining guy. I can never sell the Tucker train short either. A springboard elbow drop. That's a lot of weight crashing down on you. And of course, things finish as per usual. Heavy Machinery hitting the compactor. 600 plus pound body slam on not one, but both of the opponents. 
one, two, three, Heavy Machinery has another win under their weightlifting belts. Now, Heavy Machinery trying to establish their position in the NXT tag team division. I've seen them collide with the Authors of Pain before, two gargantuan teams, and I think it's really important for Heavy Machinery to keep their footing, keep their ground strong, and while this tag team division is in so much chaos... Well, I guess it will always be in chaos as long as Sanity is the tag team champions. But the chaos in the division isn't exactly great. So you like to know I have a few wins under my belt when the NXT tag team champions are looking for new competitors. Heavy Machinery should be close, if not at the very top of that list. We'll get to more tag team interactions a little bit later, but shifting gears into the women's division, I saw Christy St. Cloud speak with Ember Moon about the words from Mercedes Martinez last week. Mercedes Martinez, a badass and a standout from the May Young Classic tournament, had a few words saying that she didn't know who was going to pick up the win at TakeOver Houston, but she knew that Ember Moon would not be the champion. That's a really big statement on somebody who has been so consistently featured in the NXT Women's Championship picture, somebody who we have seen take it to Asuka on two separate occasions. Mercedes Martinez talking a whole lot, but Ember Moon able to retaliate. Ember Moon saying that she is the biggest threat in the NXT Women's Division, and she challenges Mercedes Martinez to a match next week. I don't know if that one's going to happen. I like to see if it's going to happen. I like to think Mercedes Martinez is the kind of woman that puts her money and her actions exactly where her mouth is. Ember Moon versus Mercedes Martinez has great potential for an excellent NXT match. Andrew, your thoughts on Ember Moon? Back in uh, August, NXT Brooklyn TakeOver, uh, unbelievable match between Ember Moon and Asuka. Both uh, unbelievable female competitors. Um, and I got to say that uh, regardless of uh, Ember falling short to the, uh, the victory against Asuka, uh, Ember is still still a, a very big potential threat uh, to the women's division in NXT. Uh, she's been around now for a while. I'm, I'm comfortable you know, seeing her. And I think that she definitely has one up on these uh, the female competitors. A May Young Classic competitor in Mercedes Martinez did not have the championship exposure that Ember Moon has had. And Ember Moon will once again get championship exposure when she competes in a huge fatal four-way match against Sanity's Nikki Cross. The winner of that May Young Classic tournament, Kyrie Sane, and one half of the iconic duo, Peyton Royce. We did see the other half of the iconic duo... Billy Kay take on the aforementioned Kyrie Sane in a very good precursor match to this fatal four-way. Kyrie Sane coming out with her usual charisma. She's very likable. I'm actually really glad NXT was able to replace a big deal Japanese female superstar like Asuka with somebody as personable and as likable as Kyrie Sane. And giving her that Mae Young Classic tournament winner, I think it was a very good call. She had a very big following going into the tournament and she can only build a bigger fan base with the exposure from NXT. But this matchup was very good. Billy Kay, I've always seen as the weaker half between the iconic duo as far as in-ring prowess goes, but she's never been a slack. Billy Kay using her height early on to take advantage of Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane trying to strike back with swiftness and trying to keep the iconic duo separated. A very important aspect of a match when you collide with Billy Kay or Peyton Royce. You know the other one's going to be on the outside. Is it ever really a one-on-one match? 
Kyrie Sane being aware of that, able to separate the outside help from Peyton Royce and deliver a hard series of strikes, which all culminated into that absolutely picture-perfect insane elbow. Kyrie Sane racking up another victory on NXT television. Andrew, the NXT women's division is hot right now. Kyrie Sane, a huge win over Billy Kay. Peyton Royce building momentum. Ember Moon in a potentially huge match next week. We've seen the warpath that Nikki Cross is on. You as a viewer, who do you think is your favorite going into NXT TakeOver Houston? Oh, that's a tough one, man, because they're, they're, like you said, the NXT, the women's uh, division right now is fire. It's It's been up and coming. These these females are really going at it. It's it's so entertaining. Um, I would say, I mean, I love Ember Moon. Um, I love uh, Nikki Cross. I think, honestly, between those two, those two right now, as far as what I see and what I know, those two have got it, man. You know, for, for sure. They really do. Uh, they got that, uh, the capable of their abilities in ring, They're just all over the place. Nikki Cross is just like... Stable, her stable, her stable says it alone. Sanity. She has no boundaries, no limits. She, I saw her at NXT Takeover. She flew into the authors of pain. She doesn't care. She's, she doesn't care. Pain is nothing to her. That huge collision he's referring to is Killian Dane, Akam, and a table at TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Nikki Cross involved in a huge spot. She's never afraid to lock it down with male talents. Nikki Cross is Nikki Six's pick. My pick is Ember Moon. You seem to be stuck in the middle here. We got a very interesting dynamic here on the Undisputed Future Podcast. Who our next NXT Women's Champion is going to be. Give me your thoughts at podcast underscore UF. I'm always looking for conversation, especially when it comes to championship stakes. We got a lot of builds coming up for this fatal four-way match, but it's all steams ahead in the NXT Women's Division. Who is going to ascend the throne after the Empress of Tomorrow has ascended to Raw. The rest of the TakeOver card, however, is still piecing together. William Regal trying to figure out the last little bits of pieces that need to be put together to finalize this TakeOver event. And Cassius Ono figured it was one more match. Cassius Ono asking William Regal for an opportunity at TakeOver Houston due to the impressive winning streak he has been on. There is no denying Cassius's latest success in NXT, but there's no denying the strength and the severity of his opponent. He called out Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan, if you haven't been tuning into NXT, is the dominant man who does not like his tag team partners and has decimated them countless times after matches. And now that Lars is on his own, he's a brand new force to be reckoned with in NXT. Cassius Ono swearing to William Regal, though, that he wants to be the first to put put a dent in this battleship of a man. A battleship of a man, I started rolling because I could not think of a better way to describe Lars Sullivan. A big, gargantuan guy. I actually thought that Killian Dane would get the first bit at Lars Sullivan, but Cassius Ono was my second guess at a rivalry for him. I can't wait to see this matchup. I thought I didn't think it was going to be an NXT TakeOver match. I thought it would just be pieced together on NXT television and sort of builds a big monster rivalry between two of the biggest superstars physically on NXT. So Cassius Ono will take on Lars Sullivan. Andrew, the last time we saw Lars Sullivan at a takeover venue, it was to interrupt a partying No Way Jose. You bear witness to that, correct? I sure did. And let me tell you, that guy is a beast of a man. Um, I'd like to consider him to be the Braun Strowman, possibly, of NXT. 
not knowing too much about his background, but I do know that he definitely can deliver a pounding to his opponents for sure. Braun Strowman of NXT is a great comparison. He's a big dominating force, undefeated in singles competition, sort of like an early on Braun Strowman. A very good comparison there, Andrew. We are looking forward to this clash of the big men, the newest match added to NXT TakeOver Houston. Cassius Ono will take on Lars Sullivan in a big, big matchup. Now, NXT television went on to do a little bit of a recap on the War Games matchup itself. I'm going to save that for the end because it was one of the big reasons I wanted to have Andrew on here. We have a lot of WCW nostalgia in the room right now, so we'll save all that good stuff for right at the end when all three teams of War Games were able to collide with each other. But shifting into the NXT championship picture, Andrade Cien Almas and his business associate, Zelina Vega, had a sit-down interview on this week's episode of NXT. Zelina Vega doing most of the talking for Andrade Cien Almas. I think it's a very smart move on her part to take up the reins as far as that. It also shows what kind of advocate she's trying to be. Zelina Vega assuring that she will not be giving away any sort of strategy going into this NXT championship matchup. We've seen how crafty she can be, jumping Drew McIntyre right before the in-ring contract signing just a matter of last week. So this seven-year relationship, which I had no idea existed, seven years for Almas and Vega with this sort of relationship, they've worked together in the past, but obviously never to this scale. This new Andrade Cien Almas that Vega claims to be present is a champion in 10 days. She's vowing on it. She's staying, she's putting all her chips on the table in Andrade Cien Almas's And with two victories over Johnny Gargano and a jump on Drew McIntyre, it's kind of hard to deny Cien Almas right now. Almas with a very impactful and passionate promo at the end. In just 10 days, he swears to be champion. Andrew, what do you make of this interview with Vega and Almas? Vega is perfect for Almas. Vega is very powerful in what she's saying, like my friend Dan here was saying that they have chemistry from previous years leading up to this. Now, this might be one of Almas's bigger opponents, as we can see Drew McIntyre, the size of him alone, quite outstanding. Almas, what I've noticed too, is his fighting style has changed up a little bit since Vega has joined. Uh, listening to her more. Um, a lot more serious lot more demeanor, serious less demeanor. of the tranquilo sort of I antics agree. going Absolutely. on in the ring. And I would say, first and foremost, Vega's looks alone has got my vote on this whole interview. Almost all the way. So you want a new champion just based on his manager's appearance? I mean, could you blame me? No, not really. Uh, Zelina Vega, obviously the attractive half of this Almas alliance going into TakeOver Houston, has been nothing but a benefactor for his career. Zelina Vega taking Andrade Cien Almas right now seemingly to new heights. She talked about the old Andrade, the old Andrade that would exhibit this sort of slack behavior in the ring, this sort of more antics and over-the-top personality, Vega has brought out some new aggression and probably most scary, some new tactics in and outside of the ring for Almas's personality. We've seen what the old Almas can do, but Vega has assured us it is nothing compared to what this new Andrade Cien Almas is capable of. It's going to be a huge clash in Houston. Andrew, I'm glad you brought that up. Almas may be a luchador, but he is not a small guy. Drew McIntyre having the tallest 
NXT Championship reign to date, as far as I know. So McIntyre versus Almas, a clash of styles, a striker, and a luchador. It's going to be a good one, especially with this new, reinvigorated Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega in his corner. From the high-stakes NXT Championship rivalry, we move on to Velveteen Dream in action, who has had a bit of a rivalry in his own, colliding with Aleister Black the past couple weeks. Velveteen Dream even getting the jump on Black right before his matchup, and Velveteen Dream obviously finally getting the attention of the Dutch Destroyer. But Velveteen Dream would go one-on-one with a guy who has also had in-ring experience with Aleister Black. I'm talking about the boxing Brazilian, Cesar Banani. Cesar Banani, a very impressive, impressive competitor on NXT. Andrew, he even has a win over the number one contender right now, Andrade Cien Almas. A lot of people might consider that an upset, but if you look at the size of Banani and you look at his potential, I don't see that as an upset. I think Banani can do very good things in NXT. I also agree with that 100%. His physique was mind-blowing. First time seeing him tonight in Vel- Velveteen Dream, he- he's going for Alistair Black, so you knew that he was going to pick up that win real quick just to prove a point to Alistair Black, showing that he- he's ready for him. Velveteen Dream, Vel- all business tonight. All business tonight, straight up. I agree with that, but this other dude from Brazil, man, he- he's got it. He's definitely got it, and I'd like to see him progress within the next few weeks. Banani definitely has the star power look. I'm just not sure if there's any creative direction for him right now. We've seen him work, again, heel against Aleister Black. We've seen him come out with the upbeat music, more of a likable babyface personality as well. The guy can fit both roles, as I've seen on NXT television. I just wish he was a little more clean-cut and streamlined as far as what his character is. But you are absolutely right with that Velveteen Dream a absolutely dominating display against Cesar Banani. We have not seen somebody Cesar's size go down so easily against the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream, from the minute he walked out, you could tell how serious he was about picking up this W and that rolling Death Valley driver would seal the 1-2-3. My biggest disappointment in this match is we did not get to see the springboard elbow drop that purple Rainmaker. I don't know if it's because of a little bit of conflict with people finishing matches with elbow drops. I've seen this before. They didn't want Bailey or they didn't want Kyrie Sane using an off-the-top rope elbow drop in the women's division because they didn't want anybody sharing matches. I, I really don't know what to make of that. The way I make of that is that saving the elbow drop, save all your energy for, for Dream for Aleister Black is how I look at it. Just less energy, less effort into these other matches to get to the main match. Use everything he's got, and he will be pretty. He'll be decent against Aleister Black. Definitely could have been a strategy to conserve himself for the undefeated Aleister Black. I did not even think of that perspective. Aleister Black takes on the Velveteen Dream. A yin and yang rivalry goes head-to-head at TakeOver War Games. Shifting away from the actual match though, Velveteen Dream did have some post-match words for Aleister Black, a direct message in the middle of his match to say his name. Velveteen Dream demanding this attention from Aleister Black. This beatdown on Banani was clearly a direct message to Aleister Black. Uh, whatever formed in the darkness and will come to the light. Velveteen Dream almost speaking in riddles here, but... I took one thing away from this one. He is assuring victory at TakeOver Houston. I just want to see what Black has to say, hopefully, next week. 
Alistair Black has not had a lot of live mic time on NXT television, but I really think Velveteen Dream deserves a little bit of a backlash after what he said post Cesar Bonani matchup. Alistair Black doesn't need that mic time. Alistair Black says enough by doing what he does best, and that is just being a dominant force in the ring. From his entrance coming out, seeing him live in NXT, this guy has got it all. This guy has everything going for him. It's going to be a great matchup between Velveteen Dream and Alistair Black. Regardless of Velveteen Dream doing what he did tonight, I'm still going with my man, Alistair Black, thinking he's going to take the W over Velveteen Dream. Alistair Black definitely makes an impact in any NXT arena he goes to. Andrew was referring to the live band and the beautiful entrance Black got at TakeOver Brooklyn 3 for his match with Hideo Itami, which was still, in my opinion, the best match of the weekend at SummerSlam Weekend 2017. But another promo, another backstage sort of infiltration we got, Ruby Riot seems to be nursing a ankle injury from her triple threat qualifying match. Sonya Deville locking in an ankle lock repeatedly for, I'd say it's ongoing for 30-45 seconds at a time, which to the average person, if you're talking about talking about wrestling, it's not a long time, but being locked in a submission, it might as well feel like an eternity, especially with somebody as MMA and submission trained as Sonya Deville. Ruby Riot and Sonya Deville having a backstage confrontation in the trainer's area, and Ruby Riot being told straight up that she should have tapped by DeVille. Sonya DeVille now out of the women's championship picture, Ruby Riot able to show her resilience, and Ember Moon was able to take advantage and win that matchup from the Eclipse to Sonya DeVille and picking up the pinfall on Ruby Riot. So a really chaotic match for all three of those women. Sonya DeVille obviously not taking her loss very well. She should have tapped. You should have tapped. Her direct words for Ruby Riot. But we'll just have to see what happens when Riot's ankle injury heals. Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot, I'm guessing within, I believe it was one to two weeks that injury was supposed to happen? That is correct. I think it was only supposed to affect Riot for a short period of time. So hopefully, right after TakeOver Houston, or maybe it could be one of the pre-show, post-show matchups going for them. I don't know. All I know is that these are two of my favorite women in the division right now outside of the championship Fatal 4-Way. It's Sonya Deville taking on Ruby Riot as soon as her injury heals up. Alright, from tag team action in the beginning of the show, we go to tag team antics in the back of the show. Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, the Street Profits, bringing the swag and selling the merch. These plastic cups, now I'm very intrigued by these plastic cups because they're reusable solo cups. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I have not, and that was brought to my attention very quickly, and that was the first thing I noticed. Black solo cups, it seems that these cups have got the power for the Street Profits. I think they were trademarked as well. The Street Profits logo also insignated on them. Uh, One guy with a very nice suit on managed to cop one for free, but then a guy carrying a suit was shortly stopped by Montez and Angelo Dawkins, a supposed delivery for Tino Sabatelli. Now, I don't think Montez Ford is Italian. I'm at least half. I know you're at least half. I don't see it. I don't see it either. But uh, but he did play a part pretty well. I got to say, I got to admit, when he was convincing, when he was convincing the, the drop-off with the suit... That guy really believed him, and, and his, his partner, 
said, you're not Italian. And he put this whole stick on, this whole spiel on, and, it, you know, a little a little believable. Very entertaining segment. Once again, Street Profits making me laugh, making me smile. Did not make Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss smile, however. That aforementioned $5,000 custom suit, according to Tino Sabatelli, was supposed to be a direct delivery intercepted by the Street Profits. And I get it last week when Riddick Moss said, our car... All right, you you travel around together. It might be Tino's ride. It might be Tino's name on the deed. But Riddick Moss able to ride around in the car. I'd, I'd say that's at least partial possession of, of a vehicle. But I don't know how you say our suit. That much I didn't understand. Unless Riddick Moss is the dedicated tag team partner that I think he is, I don't think two guys have ever shared a suit, at least in my history. My point exactly is very difficult for men to share suits. Most suits that you buy usually have to be altered to some extent. They're two, they're two big guys, but they're not the same size, so let's be real here. Two athletic body types in Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss, two former big-time draft picks in the NFL, now a tag team in NXT, and I'm looking forward to where this rivalry seems to be shaping. Tino and Riddick have always had this, this charisma I feel like was hidden in them. I think the cockiness and the big money athletes gimmick for them is really going to bring something out. I think being able to feed off two guys who have the crowd behind them so well, like Angelo Dawkins, like Montez Ford, the Street Profits, bringing the swag like nobody can. We'll see where this rivalry goes. 